All right, if you've got your Bibles, we are in Proverbs. Uh, the primary passage I'm going to kind of preach on and then leap off of is uh, Proverbs, in Proverbs 18. And, uh, you know, obviously... Being a pastor, I get to celebrate a lot of uh, births, right? With, with folks in our, and especially at this campus. Like, if you don't want a baby, don't drink the water from that water fountain back there because there's something going around. It's just like, it's, the Lord is fruitful and multiply around here. Um, but, uh, uh, man, I see a lot of babies born, and, you know, it's always the same thing. You walk in, and, yeah, everybody, you know, you've heard my stick on this before where it's like, oh, the baby's so perfect. And I'm like, no, they're a dirty little sinner, you know. And, uh, but you can't convince parents otherwise, you know, their kids are perfect. And then, then their kid gets to be about four or five years old, and they're like, this kid's a hellion. <laughs> Where can we lock this kid up, you know, and, put, and uh, get, you know, whatever. And, uh, uh, you know, I was thinking about this too. Like, uh, kids can be mean, right? Like, you take your kid, not my kids, but maybe y'all's kids. You know, you take, <laughs> you take your kids to the playground, right? And kids say just mean junk, right? They're like, you know, you can't play with us. I hate you. Uh, you're fat. You're ugly. You, you know, whatever. And it, you're like, bro, like, what is YouTube teaching you? <laughs> like, uh, you hear these kind of things from, from, from kids. It's just like, what, where did that come from? And then, you know, obviously your, your kid comes back crying. You're like, daddy, she talked bad about mama or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, and, and you kind of console him. And a lot of parents will say that old adage is like, well, you know, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That's cute, but it's a lie, right? <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it's a cute little saying, but it's not true. I mean, think about our lives, right? If I asked you, if I begin to speak to you and I say, hey, tell me about one of the sweetest times in your life. A lot of us are going to think back and recall a time where maybe our, our parents, our father, or maybe a mentor of ours or someone really spoke life in us. They, they, they said, man, you, you're doing a great job being a, 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 you know, my son, or you're doing a daughter, you're doing a great job, you know, being a husband or a father, you, you, you know, just someone speaking life in you and you're like, yeah, I mean, that was good. That was a sweet time for me. And if I asked you the opposite of that, if I said, hey, tell me a time where you were really hurt, you were cut down, most of us, it would go back to something that was said to us. You know, wounds of our father, mother, wounds from a friend, wounds from, uh, you know, someone we trusted or something like that. The, the times where our deepest wounds are in our life, oftentimes we're put there because of words uh, that were spoken to us. And, uh, you know, last week we started this series called Life Hacks. Essentially, these principles from the Proverbs of how God wants us to live our lives. And, and we talked about wisdom last week. If you missed last week, go watch it. I think it's the foundation for the entirety of the series. Uh, but today specifically, we're going to look at the power of words and how our words can be used to walk according to God's way or they can be used to go contrary to that. And, uh, and, and so uh, obviously Solomon thought that words were pretty important. Throughout the book of Proverbs, whether it's words or lips or tongue or, or, or mouth, some reference to what we say is listed over 150 times in 31 chapters. 
So he thought the wisest man in the world, wisest man ever to live, thought it was pretty important to make sure as he's writing this letter to his sons that they watched their words, that they weren't careless about their words, that they, that they used their words to bring life and not death. And one of those verses is Proverbs 18, 21, which I think sums up what I want to accomplish today and where I want to go. Um, and so Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And that's true. Our words bring either death or they bring life. They, they, they build up, they encourage, they, they, they heal, or they destroy and tear down and wound. Uh, you know, it, 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 the scriptures oftentimes talk about our tongue. You know, we get this tongue in our mouth, this slimy, wet little muscle that, you know, doesn't seem like much, right? You can stick it out at your neighbor and you're like, well, what's that going to do? But the, but the reality is our tongues are, are, are powerful. They bring what we say and how we use our words and how we use our tongues uh, is life or death. Life or death, you know, building up or destroying. And uh, we see the power of words all throughout the Bible. You start at the beginning. Genesis 1, God's creating all that we know. And he says, let there be light. So out of speaking word, God created everything. So, so the very words of God created all that we know. And so here's God saying, let there be light. He, 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 his words is, is light and life and, and, and bringing to us good. And all, all these things come from the very word of God, Genesis 1. And then in Genesis 3, not long after creation, you have Adam and Eve in the garden. And Satan, the, our enemy, comes by way of the serpent. And what does he do? He speaks lies. He deceives and he manipulates. And he brings death. So here you have, in the very beginning of the scriptures, both life and death and the power of, of words. Uh, fast forward to the New Testament, you look at Jesus' ministry. First of all, Jesus was called the Word of God. He's, he, in this, the very scriptures, refer to our Savior as the Word of God, right? And so he, he again, the power of words here. But then all of his, most all of his uh, miracles, save a few, like the one where he spits in mud, makes a mud cake and puts it on a guy's eyes. Most of his miracles, he used his words. He tells the storm, be still. And the storm, Whoa. he tells Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes alive from the dead. So the, the very words of God uh, are, 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 are very powerful. And I think God uh, has great um, uh, man, just emphasis and, you know, he, he values words all throughout the scripture. Now, we are generally aren't going to be able to speak to a storm and tell it to be quiet or to speak to a dead man and tell him to come out of the grave. We don't have that kind of power. But our, our words do carry both life and death in a, a very real sense. And that's what we, I want to kind of walk through in, in, uh, in our thing, in our message today, because I think there's three words that bring life, three types of words that bring life. And, uh, and that's what I want to go to, because hopefully you are convinced by, at this point that you want to walk the way of God. Like the way of God is what's best. You want to walk down that road. And if you need more convincing of that, then just, just continue to press into the things of God. But ultimately, we want to say, yes, I want to go the way of God. We are created in the very image of God. Therefore, we want to 
be like him. We want to walk by his ways. And, and, and specifically, uh, our, our, our words need to match up how God's words bring life. And so there's, there's three kind of words that bring life, and I want, to, I want to walk through those. The first one is that true words bring life. True words bring life. Um, Proverbs 16, 13 says, Righteous lips are the delight of a king. And he loves him who speaks what is right. Some translations say honest lips here. God loves truth because he is truth. And the scripture says of Jesus, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's, the truth is not just a concept or idea. It's a person. Jesus is truth. And if you're a believer, lying should never be an option for us. Lying is not something we gravitate to. Lying is something that the enemy does. It's with the very characteristics of our enemy. So when we lie, we are, we are more aligning with, the, with our enemy, Satan, the father of lies, than we are with God, the truth. Right, and so we want to walk the way of God. You know, so so lying therefore should not uh, be be an option for us. And Proverbs speaks more about lies than probably any other words. Uh, Proverbs twelve twenty two, uh, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, and those who act faithfully are His delight. Proverbs thirteen five, the righteous hates falsehood. Proverbs six sixteen through nineteen, there are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who soars, uh, sows discord among brothers. Seven things God hates, and he mentions lying twice. God is pretty passionate that, that he hates lying. Again, uh, lying comes from the evil one, the father of lies. So lying is, you know, lying is one thing that God cannot do. God cannot lie, which is great for, for us as we look at the very promises of God and we look at the word of God knowing that God cannot lie. We can take his promises to the bank. We can say, yes, everything he said, every promise he's made is yes and amen because he cannot lie. And therefore, we want to be like Jesus. We should be a people that run from lying and run to the truth. Truth brings life. Lies bring death, right? Uh, and, uh, and we see this in our world today. Like, we have a hard time trusting anybody, right? We think everything's a scam now, right? It's like every month on Facebook, we're going to get something, you, you know, your profile's been hacked. I'm like, yeah, right. You know, like, it could be hacked. I don't know. Yeah. But we have a hard time trusting anybody. Anybody comes to our door, or anybody sends us a message, or anybody calls us, it's all like scams to try to get, get to us. So we're just like, we run in our home, shut our garage doors. We're like, I'm not talking to trusting anybody. Right? This is our, what our society of lying has done to us, like trying to, you know, scam or manipulate or everybody trying to fight for their own uh, thing. And, and, and ultimately, uh, it's, you know, uh, lies bring death and destruction and truth brings life. You know, there's a lot of reasons for lying. I, 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 think, I think mostly, though, people lie because of what the truth will cost them, right? People lie on their taxes because of literally how much money it'll cost them. People might lie at their job because it might cost them their job. You might lie in a friendship because you don't want to 
you don't want to hurt the friendship or the relationship. Uh, there, there's, you know, you can, uh, all kind of reasons uh, uh, that lie. You know, obviously, if kids might lie to their parents because they're afraid they'll cost them their freedom. Things like this. We're afraid of what it'll cost us. Uh, but ultimately, we need to be a people that are, that are truthful, that are, that are pursuing the truth, that we do not lie. Now, another caveat of that, I want to read Proverbs 27, 5 through 6. Because it's not just being honest, it's also speaking the truth. Uh, Proverbs 27, 5 through 6. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Isn't this our world? This is our tolerant, you do you, I'll do me world where, hey, I just don't want to get in the middle of it. I'm just going to let you kind of, and I'll do it on Facebook, but like in person, I'm not going to like do anything. I'm not going to say anything to you or try to ruffle any feathers. I'm just going to let you kind of do your own thing. And mo- most people won't say hard words to their friends uh, because they feel like they're going to risk the relationship. But if you see something that could destroy someone and you say nothing, are you really a friend? Do you really care for them or, or, or love them? If you don't speak the truth, the scripture says you're more like an enemy. You, you give kisses while they're heading towards destruction. That's not helpful. It's not helpful at all. So in the name of tolerance or not wanting any conflict, you say, yeah, you keep doing what you're doing. It's okay. And they're heading to destruction and death, not life. It's important for us to speak the truth if we truly love our, our friends. We, our, a true friend doesn't coddle when we don't need coddling. A true friend speaks truth uh, even when it's hard to, to hear it or hard to say it because truth leads to life. Uh, people, heading, people are all the time heading towards death, death of their marriages, their jobs, their, their, their parenting. Like they're, just, they're just heading that way. And, and I hope that I've got good enough friends that if I was heading that way, they would speak some truth to me. They would speak some truth to me and say, David, you, you, are, you are not, you, you are walking in the wrong direction. Like, I, I all the time have to stand up here and say hard things. And, I, 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 you know, it, it, you, you may not um, agree with this, but I don't wake up on Sunday mornings when I've got to say hard things to you. And I, I don't like, yes, I can't wait to get there and punch them in the mouth of this hard thing. That stinks. I mean, I want you to like me. Really, I want, you know, I don't care. I don't want to let Kurt come up here and preach all the hard things. I don't care if you hate him, you know. <laughs> I want you to like me, right? Uh, you know, but so speaking hard things is what a good pastor, and I, I'm not perfect at this by any means. That's what I'm saying. Don't hear that. But a good pastor comes up here and stands before his people that God has entrusted to him, and he says the hard things so that they can walk in life, not death, not destruction, And that's my hope for all of us, that we stand before God when we die, and he's able to look at our lives and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come in. I can tell you countless times, countless times, countless times where I've counseled with people, and I've spoken truth into them, and it hurts me to speak truth. It's not a comfortable thing for me to say, hey, you're heading towards death and destruction, and then they still look at me and say, ah, that doesn't matter, I'm out. I don't want any part of it. You have to be willing to do that as a friend. You have to be willing to risk a relationship 
on behalf of, of truth. If they're heading towards destruction, you have to speak uh, truth unto people. Now, we'll, we'll talk about ha- uh, how we speak truth in just a moment. But before I get out of this truth brings life section, I want to read to you Proverbs 11.30. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. One way that we are uh, not bringing life with our words is by being silent about Jesus. When you are silent about Jesus, you are dishonest about who you are. Think about it. You come in here on Sunday mornings, you know, and you, you're like, yes, I'm singing praises to Jesus. I'm getting, you know, most of you are like, shut up, kids, get into church. Yeah. You know, you come in here, you're excited about church. You, you know, Michael does his little rant that goes on a couple extra minutes, and you're like, yeah, now I'm ready, right? And you start singing songs, you're passing, you're, you know, hallelujah, 10,000 years, whatever, all these songs, you're singing out praises to God. You're like, praise God for saving me. Praise God for doing his great work in me. I'm loving Jesus. And then you get to work on Monday morning. It's like, uh uh-uh. Isn't that inconsistent? Isn't that dishonest about who you are? I'll go as far to say, if you are a believer and your coworkers don't know it, you've got some inconsistencies in your walk with the Lord. To, to, to value the things that we sing in his place, you've you got to make your work day match your worship day. Now, it may not be all what it is in this place, but you've got to begin communicating the gospel. We, we, we are, when we tell the truth, when we want to tell, tell people the truth, we tell them about Jesus. To, to, not, to, to be a believer and not speak about Jesus, it'd be the same thing as like me going to a friend's house and, and, and I go, I'll, they invite me over to dinner, I'm coming, we're hanging out, and I kind of smell what smells like a gas leak in their home. Right? And I, I say nothing. And I, I go home, I, I tell my wife, Jim, hey, did you smell something funny? Yeah, I did. It was weird. It smelled like gas. And they die that night. Who's liable for that? Me. I am. No, you know what you do. Bro, something smells like gas. We got to go. Let's go to Bojangles and call the cops. So we got to go. We got to get out of here, right? That's what you're going to do. Why? Because you love them. You care for them. How much more so souls that are heading towards death and destruction, running away from the things of the Lord, running away from Jesus, will you not speak a word of truth into them? People you love and care about, and you won't tell them about Jesus? You know, I always, um, y'all have heard me bash this thing before, but that quote that goes around, uh, that says, uh, share the gospel always when necessary, use words. I've bashed this plenty of times, but you should know. But, but basically, I don't, I don't entirely disagree with that. Yes, you should be living lives that make people look at your life and say, wow, there's something different about that individual. But the reality is, if you don't share the gospel, if you don't use your words to share the gospel, you are blatantly being disobedient to the scriptures. 
And at worst, you are preaching a false gospel because what you do is if you live this great moral life before the people all around you, but you never tell them it's Jesus, it's Christ in me, there's nothing good in me except for Jesus alone, but you just keep working towards this moralistic relativism, this this morality, this behavior modification, and never tell them it's Jesus, all they know is you are a moral person, look at me, look at me, look at me, and so they think, oh man, man, if I could just get work real hard and get my life together, like they've got their life together, then I'll be okay. But the reality is you have just not said, Jesus is the only reason I'm good. Jesus is the only good in me. And so you go to work every Monday, not telling people about Jesus and preaching a false gospel with your good works. The only good we have in us is Jesus. That's it. And so we need to speak truth into the lives around us. We need to speak truth that it's Jesus and Jesus alone that brings us life. And true life-giving words have the gospel in them. So true words, true words bring life. That's one. Hmm. Number two, gracious words bring life. Uh, Proverbs 15.4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverse, perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Um, you, you've probably heard it's this saying before. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. I, I, think, this, I think that's true. I think there is a way to, pre, to speak truth in a way that is both truthful and gracious. Um, you know, the, 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 the scripture here, the gentle tongue is a tree of life. I love this because uh, this word gentle is also translated as healing. So a healing tongue brings, uh, is a tree of life, referring to the Garden of Eden before the fall of sin. So our tongues, our words are meant to be words of healing that restore people back into their relationship with God before the fall. So we're constantly being reconciled back to what we were before it all fell apart. We're constantly being reconciled back to life with God without sin. We're constantly growing in our relationship with God to to be reconciled to him. So our words should be aiding in that. They should be healing souls as a tree of life under them, building them up and growing them into Christ. Now, we've all had truths that we've spoken harsher than needed to be spoken. I'm guilty of that. So I I think there's a way in which we have to use our words to to aim at healing uh, instead of hurting, right? And and oftentimes what what we say brings, even though it could be, even though it's truth, even true things that we, we say brings more breaking than it does healing. And we should, our aim should be bringing healing, right? Uh, you know, the Bible talks about this breaking as cursing your brothers, uh, cursing your brothers. Now, in, in church world, we've got a lot of Christians who would never cuss, uh, but, but they're real quick to curse. And by that, I mean, if you've ever said the phrase, honey, bless your heart, what you really meant was, you're a stinking idiot. All right? In case you're not from the South, let me help you out. All right? We oftentimes speak words that are more breaking than they are healing. 
And so we have to be very careful with the, with the words that we use. Now, uh, I want to I read to you Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. This is what we do with our words. It's like, it's like thrusting a sword into hearts. And I'm just going to be real vulnerable with you. Like this is 90% of my repentance life is what I've done with my mouth. Things that I say that I should not say. Uh, I'm very quick with um, a harsh word. Just laying my, my life out before you. This is, this, is, this is most of what the Lord refines in my life. Not saying what I immediately think it gets me in a lot of trouble. Uh, but there are times over and over, I'll speak a harsh word to my wife. Or I'll speak a, a harsh word to my children or to the people I work with. And my words, though may, they may be truthful, are not, not intended to heal. They're intended to hurt. They're intended, they're, they are meant as a dagger into their heart. Am I the only one here? They are, they are meant to wound. And uh, that's not the way of God. It's not the way of God. It's, uh, it, it, it brings more hurt than healing. It brings more death than life. And uh, so how we say things matters. Are we saying things in a gracious way? Are, are, are we... Are we are we bringing the truth in love? You know, it's, it's, it's easy just to say, well, this is the truth. Take it or leave it, buddy, right? But are we, are we, do we really love people? Because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of preachers. You know, I remember, I'm, I'm just thinking through like street preachers who hold signs that just walking by. I remember being on a mission trip and seeing one of these street preachers reach out and say, glutton! to someone in our group. I mean, there may be struggle there. There might be truth to that, but there was no grace. There was no love in that. And mainly it just made us want to fight them. And we were on a mission trip. <laughs> you should have seen it, boy. I was all up in their face. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, so is your truth... Is, is it, is, do you love in your truth? Now, gracious words bring life. So true words bring life. Gracious words bring life. And then lastly, encouraging words bring life. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Parents, I, I think we really need to clue in here. Uh, you know, obviously, there's always going to be moments of trial, probably every day with our children, just tension moments where we got, you know, 30 minutes before bedtime, we got a decision to make. Are we done and just going to be like, shut up and get mad? <laughs> you know? Or are we going to be able to spend that time with words of encouragement? Please stop jumping on the couch. <laughs> now, you know what I mean. You know, there's always going to be these times of tension with our kids, and we're always going to mess up, okay? And our kids are going to mess up, and we're going to mess up. Well, one of the, one of the 
before I get into the encouragement step, one of the things that they need to see from you that will bring life into them is for you to come to them and say, I have messed up. Will you forgive me? If you've never asked your children for forgiveness, then I'm going to go ahead and say you're full of pride and you need to do it. Because what you're saying is you've never messed up bad enough to ask for forgiveness. And that, that is a lie. And it's not easy to do. Going to your seven-year-old, I'm like, bro, I'm sorry. I said that and I shouldn't have. Will you forgive me? He's like, I'll think about it. <laughs> no, he always says yes. I mess up all the time. But coming and showing that repentance before your children, that brings life. That shows them the reality of the gospel, that they're going to mess up and be able to repent and come back to the Lord. That shows them that they don't have to be perfect because their parents aren't perfect, but also shows them their parents loves them enough and values them enough to admit when they've got something wrong. So that's a huge piece in this, uh, in, in bringing encouraging words. Uh, but, you know, one thing that brings lifelong death to a lot of children is the discouraging word of a parent. Uh, you know, I just read something recently that the most hated time in the life of a kid is the 15-minute ride home after a practice or a game. Because on their way home, they hear everything that they did wrong at that practice or game. And we've been there. We've both been a part of that. Those of you who have had those ride homes You've probably done those. And it's not too late to ask for repentance of your children, ask for forgiveness of your children. But can you imagine that? Can you imagine like flipping a switch on that moment on the ride home? Instead of having a discouraging word about your kids, actually having an encouraging word to them about all the things that they did right. Right? Bro, you made a great play at second base or you ran faster than you've ever ran or, you know, bro, you ran as fast from home to first base as you do after the game for free Coke. (laughs) Something, find something, right? I just took Josiah to the driving range yesterday for the first time he's ever swung, you know, golf clubs and, You know, it's like, bro, you're doing awesome. You're crushing that ball 15 yards. Some of them were further than mine, by the way. But, man, just speaking life into him, and you just saw him kind of just well up, like, oh, yeah, I'm good at this. Yeah, I'm Tiger Woods, you know? Like, yeah, let's go. And I'm thinking scholarships, yeah. Uh, But, no, speaking life into him, encouraging him. You know, that's what we got to do as parents is bring those encouraging words to to our kids, you know. Um, Parents, if your kids only hear they can't do anything right, if they never hear a word of encouragement for you, they're going to carry that with them. They're going to carry that death with them in everything they do. It's going to affect their marriages. It's going to affect the way they parent. You know that to be true. You've done disciplinary things in your life. You're like, dang it, I was just like my dad. Let them do some things and they say, I encourage just like my dad. Wouldn't that be awesome? 
to flip the switch on that. Encouraging words bring life. Imagine your, your, your kids here. Man, you're really good at that. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm glad to have you as my son, my daughter. You bring a lot of value to this family. They'll believe that. And they'll live in that life. Now, the same thing is true with husbands and wives, that we got to speak encouraging words to one another. You know, husbands, I'll start with you first. Uh, you know, we're really good at making sure our wives know everything they've done wrong. We're good at it. Uh, you know, I'm just speaking from experience. You know, my, my, my tendencies, my natural bent is to say, Hey, this didn't get done today. This should have been done. We should, why didn't this happen? This is out of place. When I come home from work, you're tired. You're just like, this thing, you know, you, you, could, you could go into that and start rattling off all the things that they didn't do right or that they should have done and never mentioning what they do right. We got to bring encouraging, encouraging words. And husbands, when your wife hears these these criticisms, when, the, when your words are, are controlling, crude words, it brings death to them. It doesn't bring life. But when she hears, you are so pretty, and I love you. I'm so thankful that you served our family today. You work hard for this family, and I'm, I appreciate that with, with a ton or the house looks amazing, or thank you for putting up with the kids today, or, or you know, what, whatever it is. That brings life. It might bring some other things too, but it definitely brings life. <laughs> you speak life into them. Now, wives, same thing goes for you. Like, you know, uh, when your husband hears that they need to do that thing, and they hear it again, and then again, and then again, and again, and again. That doesn't bring death. I mean, that doesn't bring life. It brings death. <laughs> Someone told me after the first service, well, if they'd hear it the first time, <laughs> they'd get it right the first time. Oh, we got a lot to learn. But this nagging, this complaining, this belittling, this, it's really dis, disrespect. Like if you spoke life into your husband, what would you get? Now, I love that. I love that about my wife. She does that to me. She speaks life to me. I come home. I'll come home from work. You know, I'm tired. Just like, you know, just like everybody. We're tired. We want, you want to go up there and, and watch football and just, hey, you keep dealing with the kids, you know. Yeah, sure, that's what I want to do. But you know what? My wife speaks so much life into me on a regular basis. She speaks things into me like, hey, David, I'm so, the way you work hard for this family, the way you provide for this family, we love that as a family. The way you lead our kids spiritually, the way you're teaching them the Bible, the way, you know what that does for me? That makes me want to keep doing it. When she says to me, she says things to me like, like, you need to know that your son sees your hard work and he wants to be a hard worker like his daddy. You know what that makes me want to do? That makes me want to work harder. It speaks life into me. 
Yeah, I'm tired. I want to come home, crack one open, and watch the football game. But you know what I do? I keep going. I'm playing with my kids. She spoke life into me. I'm like, yes, let's get it. Let's go. I want to keep serving my family, keep dying to myself, and keep, keep pouring out the love of Jesus into them. She speaks that life into me. Not death. She speaks life into me. It makes me want to keep going. The power of your words. You want your marriage to change? Stop focusing on the death. Start speaking life. You want your children to change? Speak life. Speak life. Speak encouraging words into them. Now, I don't want to give you today, I don't want to give you just behavior modification. Like, I, I, I got to tell you how you get this because this is not normal. It's supernatural. And I, I want to prove it to you. Look at Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verses 34 through 37. Jesus starts out, he's, he's talking to the Pharisees here. He says, you brood of vipers. Now, I haven't called y'all that yet, so <laughs> I'll leave that to Kurt. <laughs> you brood of vipers. Look, look at this. Pay attention here. How can you speak good when you are evil? How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you now, hear this. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give, a, will give account for every careless word they speak. Just let that sit there a minute. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Wow. That's pretty sobering. Now, what you could hear there, you could hear that words um, save or condemn you. That's not what Jesus is saying. We know that our salvation is not works-based. But what Jesus is saying is that our words reveal who we really are. Our words reveal what we really are. What we speak doesn't really come from our lips or our minds. What we speak comes from our heart. It comes from who we are. So we don't need new speech. We need a new heart. We don't need, you know, to put soap in our mouth every time we say something bad. What we need is we need a conversion of our heart. And the reality is that you might not be able to speak encouraging words, words of truth, words of grace, words of life, because you don't have spiritual life yourself. Look what he said. How can you speak good when you are evil? You can't. 
It flows out of the believer because of the cross. It flows out of the believer because of the Holy Spirit that resides in us. When you walk with Jesus, you know who you are. You you know where you stand with God. And then you know how to appropriately talk to individuals and value other people. When you know you're standing with God and you walk with Jesus, you're able to speak life into people. You say, man, when you realize, man, I'm... The only reason there's anything good in me is because Jesus has saved me. It's not because I've been good. It's not because of my baptism. It's not because of this, 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 and this. The only reason there's any good in me is because God saw the wretch of a sinner I was, the vilest of our sinners. That's what we're saying. The vilest of our sinners, now, now redeemed, forgiven and redeemed. So when we, when we realize our standing in Christ, We can speak words of life to people. We can speak the gospel to people. We can speak truth to people. You know, many of you are believers. You've come in here and and maybe you've come from different backgrounds where all your life, the only spiritual words that were spoken to you were spiritual words of death, meaning you'll never be good enough. You'll never measure up. You, you, you You keep messing this up. There's, there's no way God is going to deal with you or put up with you or forgive you. Maybe you've heard those things. Before the cross, before you become a believer, sure, yeah, you, you are, you are a, a child of wrath. You are a son of disobedience. But what you need to realize is once Jesus has saved you, all that changes. You are now forgiven. You are now a child of God. You are now a saint You are now a friend of God. You have been taken out of your death and sin and the things that were holding you down, and you've been set free to walk in Christ and to live in him. You have been completely and radically changed. And when you've been changed like that, it flows out of you. When you are saved, God puts his Holy Spirit in you. The scripture calls you a temple of the Holy Spirit. Because that Holy Spirit lives in you and moves you and convicts you to speak life into people. You have this deep desire to see people in your family, your children, to see people in the church grow in Christ. So you speak words to them to help them grow in Christ. And they're going to be hard words. They may be difficult words. But you want to speak truth into them to watch them grow in Christ. This is what the, being changed and supernaturally converted by Jesus does for us is it makes us life givers. Those who have gotten life, give life. Those who have been changed, speak life. Those who have found life, speak life. So don't hear this as a behavior modification. I'm gonna go home and do this better, do this better, do this better, do this better. No, you go home and you fall on your face before Jesus. And you repent. And you, you ask God to speak for you and to shut your mouth when you need to shut your mouth. And if you aren't saved, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you're working trying to muster that up in your life and it's futile. You're running a race on a treadmill. You're going nowhere. Come first Deal with your sin before Jesus and watch him change your heart. 
Church, we want to be a, a church that speaks life to one another. I hope you don't come here on Sunday mornings and stay in your little bubble, just sip your coffee and say, oh, this was pretty good. <laughs> Worship wasn't bad. That guy yelled at me a while, but got through it. <laughs> no, I hope you come in this place saying, man, how can I speak life into the body of Christ to grow them in Jesus? How can I speak life to the people sitting in front of me, behind me, around me, to see them grow in their relationship with Jesus? How, when I'm serving down here in kids' ministry, can I speak life into these seven-year-olds, these four-year-olds, so that they will know the Bible and know Jesus? Those who have found life, speak life through true words, gracious words, and encouraging words. Let's pray together. Father, we confess that we can't do this without you. Our natural tendency, Father, is to uh, really just to promote our own well-being. We want to point out everything that's wrong around us. We want to use our words for personal gain and, and to do harm. So we, we really need you to change us to make us life givers. That we can speak boldly true words and gracious words and encouraging words. That we can be a people that, uh, man, we're just speaking life because we've got it. I pray, Jesus, that uh, you, you would help us to be Parents, those that are parents that uh, have no careless words spoken over our children. That we'd be very intentional about the words we speak. Pray for our marriages. Uh, there, there is obviously room for repentance in this area that we need to ask our spouses to forgive us for how careless we've been with our words. I know for me, Lord, a lot of times that's very jovial, but it's still cutting. So God, help us to walk in life with our words to our spouses and help us to proclaim the gospel. Help us to preach the gospel, speak the gospel. It's the only way those heading towards death can move from death to life. Let us be bold about the truth that we have. Let us be consistent. We proclaim the goodness of God in this place. Let us proclaim it outside of this place. Help us to do this, Lord. Help us to be a people that Speak life over and over and over and over again. When we're tired, we speak life. When, when we're frustrated, we speak life. When we feel like we've been wronged, we speak life. As we're discipling our kids, we speak life. As we're 
growing our marriage garden. <laughs> we speak life. Help us to be a life-giving church, a life-giving people. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.